It's Fred Warderific. It's James Hong Hysterical. It's Ninja Robicized. It's Chop Socky Craziness. It's Chun Credible. You're gonna blow out your blue jeans. It's the Hell Ming Power Hour. Whoop whoop. Ooh. All right now. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. Here in this bog of dead trees are the most powerful forces of podcasters ever assembled. Rick Morgan, child of the 70s and defender of the 80s. Danny Bennett, small in stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. And their space monkey Glee, searching the galaxy for Christ to kill. Dedicated to horror, science fiction, and movies that are just cool for all mankind. And now, the ones responsible for Hillary Clinton's emails, Rick and Denny. Hey there, people. Everybody, glad to have you back. Remember, we're doing uh, kind of a flashback old show. We got ninjas, we got crazy stuff going on. Strap yourselves down and make it worthwhile. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you with us. We're going to have a fun time today, tonight, whatever it is to you guys. To us, it's night. Could be day. You can listen to it anytime. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, because ninjas do care about a lot of things. They care about golf courses and killing people, but they don't care about what time you listen to our show. Yeah, we got two great movies. This is what episode eighteen, I believe. We're sneaking up on here, getting close to that twenty mark. Uh, we got some surprises coming up throughout the month of October. Hopefully, we're going to pull off some some neat stuff going on there. So, uh, but we got ninjas, we got martial arts, we've got James Hong. James Hong. Yeah. We haven't had James Hong on this show since episode two. Right. Jaws two. The Olympics. Jaws two. The <laughs> Jaws Olympics. Jaws two. The Olympics. <laughs> he uh, he managed to get into the backstroke. <laughs> competitions were never the same <laughs> yeah it was a bad choice to have jaws represent the usa in the olympics <laughs> although was, he, came in <laughs> he came in first he came in first he came in last he came in everywhere in between <laughs> until lewis gossett jr got there and then yeah that's that's well, just yeah it's like it's like when lewis gossett jr was in uh the punisher and that guy tried to stop him and he just took that whole pizza box and put it in his face <laughs> You can't stand in Lewis Gossett Jr.'s way. You can't handle the Lou. <laughs> All right. That, that sounds bad. <laughs> We've got some international listeners, and for them, we're talking about Lewis Gossett Jr., not the Lou. Right. <laughs> you can't handle the Lou. You can't handle the Lou. 
So yeah, we got two great movies. <laughs> two great movies. <laughs> we got the incredible, absolutely bonkers. I can't wait to talk about this one particularly. Ninja 3, The Domination. If you haven't seen it, I recommend that you stop listening right now. Go find a copy of it. At least go watch the trailer. Because there is nothing like this movie out there. But then a personal favorite of Danny and mine's... Danny and mine's both. <laughs> Danny and mine's both. Enemy mine's. Danny and mine's. You can't handle the loo. <laughs> you can't handle the loo. A favorite movie of ours, man, that we just grew up with and we love. And a lot of you have, too. Get to talk about some Remo Williams. So we're excited about that one, too. Remo. Remo Williams. <laughs> All right. The, so if Danny doesn't yeah, have anything else to say... That's your cue. I do. As a matter of fact, I want to say that you can listen to this episode before <laughs> going to watch Ninja 3, The Domination, and I'll tell you why. Because you will listen to this and you'll say, they are making stuff up. Like they always do. They're making stuff up. And then you're going to go, we didn't. Because we're not going to make right. anything up. We don't right. have to. Well, if you don't hear, Hailing. then you know we're not lying. And I'm telling you, I mean, Jaws 2, The Olympics... Deserve Hailing. one. <laughs> but but it Ninja 3 might have been better too. <laughs> it doesn't need a Helming. It's incredible. No. So uh, we'll be right back. We'll see you in just a few seconds, folks. The Helming Power Hour is brought to you by Cyberdyne Industries. Skynet is fully aware. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! Okie dokie dokie, people. Like I said a while ago, it's Ninja 3, man. This movie, there's just no words to describe it. I remember it being crazy as a kid, but even going back and watching it now blows my mind. It's hard to believe that they just pretty much took every 80s trope you can think of put it all into one movie even the kitchen sink man this movie's got everything in it if you want to show somebody when somebody says hey what is that what is the 80s about ninja 3 ninja 3 could be the predecessor for uh kung fury oh without a doubt without a doubt it, i mean it, no it was, except without the fact that they were making a joke movie i mean it was it was serious Right. You don't feel like you're watching a movie where they're trying to make a bad movie. This is just what came out. So enough yapping about that. We'll go ahead and get going to give us a great synopsis on Ninja 3. It's a crappy Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ninja 3, The Domination, also known as the greatest movie of all time. There you go. A 1984 movie, rated R, 92 minutes long, action, fantasy, thriller. An evil ninja attempts to avenge his death from beyond the grave by possessing an innocent woman's body, a 4.9 out of 10. He has the greatest actor of all time, <laughs> Bobby Craig. <laughs> the writer, James R. Silk E. And also the quote to remember is, There's one thing. What? In the Igor region in Japan, there is one power that can destroy him. Japan, only a ninja can destroy a ninja. <laughs> a stroy. 
Only a ninja can destroy a ninja. Well, you, you know that that's probably true. <laughs> and I, I, I think probably the writers of this movie didn't know that much about Japan because I'd like to see if there is an eagle region of Japan. If there is, I'm not going there. <laughs> you might get destroyed if you go, man. Usually, ask Danny. I say, yes. Danny, why do you watch Ninja Three? And I'm gonna kick this one off because. I've got a list a mile long. It's going to be hard to fit this into one show, honestly. Why do you watch this movie? If you grew up in the 80s and you saw the Canon logo come up, these are the kind of movies you were going to get. Matter of fact, when I think of Canon, this is the movie I think of. It's just incredible. So, Ninja 3, The Domination, it's just unbelievable. Why is it unbelievable? Ninja Exorcism. Ninja Exorcism. I mean, it is so canon that it even has Lucinda Dickey from Breaking in it. Right. As the, of course, aerobics instructor line worker who gets possessed by a ninja. I mean, how far-fetched is that? But <laughs> she's possessed, right? So there has to be a Ninja Exorcism. So It's yeah, just that simple. And the fact of, I mean, hey, let's take Flash Dance <laughs> and throw the Exorcist in there. But make it a ninja movie. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to stop us right here, and I'm going to have to say the reason to watch Ninja 3, The Domination, is got to be the first five minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it It starts out, you know, with, with uh, the ninja getting equipped for battle, and that's that's a neat enough little sequence, but he just jumps right in. <laughs> I he love the fact a, he's dressed like Don Johnson. Did you notice <clears> that? <throat> he's got like, and he just struts <clears throat> into this cave. <laughs> And of course, in the cave, there's a you know that you push the stalagmite over, and there's a a, lo- a lit table full of <laughs> just, ninja implements. He pushes a button, and it just slides out like it's all pneumatic. He gears up. He goes to a golf course where there's a scientist. We know he's a scientist because it's mentioned once in the movie and never again. <laughs> and he kills this guy, the guy's bodyguards, and about thirty five, fifty cops. Right. So here's two things you learn right off the bat. Ninjas hate golf, and Ninja hates cops. That's right. <laughs> That's all you need to know about this movie, man. And you, you, can't, you can't run down a ninja in a car, and you right. can't get away from a ninja in a golf cart. I've got a list of everything that kind of happens here pretty quick, so I'll just kind of run through. <laughs> the guy hits the golf ball over there. He picks up the golf ball. He squeezes the golf ball. That's another thing, too. He hates balls. You see that several times in the movie, so it's always a show of strength. Takes a golf ball and just crushes it in his hand. Ninja hate balls. <laughs> yes. And then he just goes insane, killing everybody, man. He's got ninja stars. One guy pulls out a gun and goes to shoot. He pulls out a blow dart. <laughs> and he blows the blow dart into the barrel of the gun before the guy shoots. The guy shoots, and of course it backfires and kills the guy that's got the gun. <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop couldn't pull that off, man. That's no. <laughs> that's some shots right there. The ninja is a is a demonic, spectral, superhuman force, and bodyguards and scientists and cops just, they just they can't do it. That's right. He's taking off and he's doing just like Buddy did and Christine, which we don't recommend. Remember what we said: if somebody's chasing you down, running down the middle of the road where the car can still go, it's probably not the best of ideas. But not a good idea. This is a ninja, totally different. 
So he's That's running, true. and he even, like, there's two motorcycle cops coming at him. It's kind of like smoking the bandit, but he's not in a car. Because <laughs> he's going past cops. They're having to turn around, come back, and go back and chase him. He's running, and he lets the car catch up kind of right behind him. He does a backwards somersault flip while running, <laughs> lands on top of the cop car. He stabs through the roof of the car, stabs with a sword, and stabs one of the cops in the back of the neck with a sword. And you're thinking, wow, he's pretty strong. What he does next is even more incredible because he just rams his hand through the roof <laughs> and kills the yep. guy that's driving. He kills him with his hand. <laughs> with his hand. The driver. <laughs> and then he stands up and looks. There's motorcycle cops behind him. And he just starts flipping some ninja stars back about 50 feet, knocking them off of motorcycles. And then while the that's going the car. on, he's on top of the car. Then he throws the grappling hook, <laughs> swings off the car. And just like smoking the bandit, man, the cop cars just go right off in the river, right? And the guys on the motorcycle go off in the river. So you think, okay, he got rid of the cops. Nope. Here comes a helicopter, a cop helicopter. So we've already established he hates cops. <laughs> so instead of running from the helicopter, he goes after it, climbs a tree to the very top. I don't know if he uses some kind of cop bait. I don't know if he's waving a donut or something that gets him to come close enough. <laughs> but he just jumps on the Not helicopter. Not cool, man. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> man. <laughs> cop bait. Cop bait. There you go. We'll, we'll keep it PC. But, uh, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but he jumps on the helicopter, gets one dude, knocks him off, and the guy that's flying, there's, there's two cops left. Well, there's one that's flying, there's one that's just running around trying to shoot him. So he can't really get to the guy that's flying. So he, what does he do? He takes a ninja star, puts it between his toes, flicks it in there, and hits the guy flying a helicopter right in the temple with a ninja star. That's what That's we're right. dealing with here, folks. This is the first five minutes of the movie. It's the first five minutes of the movie. And, you know, what What kept striking me was, you know, he, he was there to kill somebody. And he could have, at any of these stages, just kind of, like, run off into the scrub and disappeared. Right. But he kept seeking more cops out to kill. <laughs> like, he wasn't just getting away with murder. He was taking the opportunity to keep killing more cops. Right. Even to the point of playing dead to get them to come around so he could kill them some more. Yeah. I mean, we've got a circle of cops. They're all shooting shotguns and machine guns and pistols. And they've shot him like 50 times. And he's in the middle of this thing. And, you know, so one of them comes over to check on him. And just like Jason Voorhees, he jumps up and starts <laughs> chopping him up with his sword because you can't kill him. Right. Because only a ninja can kill a ninja. That's right. C cops are not ninjas. You know, that's what this movie is. Except ninja the, cop. That's what, except samurai cop. <laughs> that's a different Samurai show. cop is not a ninja. <laughs> he he could kill a samurai, but not a ninja. And I love the fact that while he's being shot, he has a photographic memory. I don't know if they teach this in ninja school. <laughs> and he remembers yes. every guy that shoots him. I'm, and I'm telling you, there's 25 guys standing around him, and he remembers each and every one. <laughs> and it's great because they, they do like the little like zoom in on all their faces. It's all like, slow-mo. Like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's another one. Dun, dun, dun. There's another one because it comes back later, and it's like, oh, well, somebody passes by the possessed girl, and dun-dun-dun, that guy shot me. I'm going to get him. <laughs> so during all this, when he's getting shot, I guess he decides, oh, I'm kind of in trouble here. So 
like any ninja does, he throws the ninja smoke bomb, right? And he disappears. He pulls a David Copperfield on him, and he's gone. And they're all looking around, and they think he must have ran off. He buried himself in the ground, man. <laughs> he threw the smoke. He's, he's underground. He buried himself in the gravel right there where he was standing. That's a bad dude. And one, one of the cops is like, we got to get this guy. So when they leave, he pops up out of the ground, and you think, okay, this can't get any crazier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Rick, wait, wait, hold on a minute. Okay. All this right here, this wasn't the whole movie? <laughs> this is just character development. <laughs> <laughs> this is what passes for character development in Ninja 3, The Domination. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's my big run of why you should watch the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie. You're going to watch the rest of it yeah, because you saw this part of the movie. There is no denying it because you got to see how this crazy thing ends. <laughs> if you are not hooked by then, then yeah. you're not human. Right. You, you just might as well go watch, you know, Gone with the Wind or something because you're just, yeah. this is not your kind of movie. Oh, look, On Golden Pond is on. I guess I'll watch that instead of Ninja <laughs> 3, The Domination. Man, man, man. <laughs> and those are things that you will not hear in my house. So, yeah, another reason to watch it. We kind of said a while ago, Lucinda Dickey, man. She becomes the, like you said, the phone operator or phone repair person that climbs the poles and works on the phone lines. Then she's also an aerobics instructor who gets possessed yeah. by a ninja spirit. Which gives her three jobs. Yeah. So yeah. she she works hard for her money. She does. <laughs> I mean, like, there's Help a point me. where the ninjas got her so messed up that she's just got to do some aerobics to, to right. try and get it out of her head. I'm so, not kidding, people. <laughs> but even after she goes out and uh, does the biddings of the spirit, she comes home and does more slam dancing, basically. So, uh, yeah. It's it's the eighties, folks. I don't know what else to tell you. So, like I said, you got your flash dance kind of set up. She's <laughs> and I love the introduction because you think you're getting kind of the montage thing because she's climbing the pole, working on the telephone lines. You got the music playing and it's real bad. I need a lover right now. No, this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> super super eighties music, and she sees somebody somebody stumbling out in the out in the wilderness so she climbs back down and she's got a jam box playing and she turns the song off i just love yeah. that because it's like full-on montage level music right and she yeah. just kills it so she can go talk to this guy gets down and don johnson samurai's got his sword and he he's trying to call her to him so she goes over to check on him thinking you know he's just hurt or whatever and he grabs her then grabs the sword and kind of attacks her and stuff she don't know what's going on but and this this falls into a number of really strange decisions by our main character heroine you know this decision where where she beats him in some you know wrestling combat where he's trying to choke her right and then she's about to get away and he just yells at her in Japanese. Right. Maybe it's Japanese. We don't really know. Yeah. But like he yells at her and, and she stops and comes back and lets him hand her the sword. He found somebody that he couldn't defeat. Right. He said, you are skilled in the ways of aerobics. So you will become the new ninja. It's on the movie poster. As a matter, It might be the catch line <laughs> that the it's the, line. the 
what is it the ultimate killing machine and she's the ultimate weapon yeah i think it's something like that yeah so or maybe it's the ultimate assassin and she's the ultimate weapon like so they're really they're really playing on this what if a really really fit woman became a ninja that's kind of the overarching plot i think the catch line was actually ninja three the domination buy a bag (laughs) (laughs) go home in a box is I that think that was it. I think they used that machine that cranks out the taglines. That machine is gold, and I don't know why they don't still use it. And <laughs> Even you heard Arnold Schwarzenegger that say lady said it's crap. It's, this movie is known as the greatest movie ever made, so it's kind of hard to argue with. I also want to nail down that, that uh, she makes some dicey decisions, starting with taking the sword. <laughs> she also has a – there's a cop that kind of takes a shine to her, and she hates him and doesn't like him. He doesn't give her much reason to like him. And then all of a sudden, come on back to my place. <laughs> come on to my Let's place. Let's do it. Let's have some V8. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> this is something I want to talk to you people out there on, is that is that she becomes a ninja. She's being questioned about her inter- encounter with this multiple murderer. That This is also where you find out that he killed a scientist, by the way. This guy takes a shine to her. He's a cop. She doesn't want anything to do with him over and over and over again. He keeps showing up. She almost gets raped by a bunch of dudes from the gym right and they they go to you know she stops she breaks up these guys you know roughing up this aerobics girl and then she beats them up with her ninja skills when they come after her and then he takes this as an opportunity to drag her away and say hey i could get you hauled in for assault right (laughs) what and then you know like in that thing she's like look officer whatever your name is wolf because that's important yeah Yeah, officer wolf cop (laughs) she says i don't want your help and he's like hey listen i'm proud of being a cop and then she's like oh (laughs) hey let's start going out so and let's have sex right now i think the main problem is i see no reason to date that guy But yeah. Yeah. He's got that smoking, and I mean literally smoking Alfa Romero (laughs) that he's driving down the road. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're coming down through there and just like they're spraying for mosquitoes. (laughs) Here's here's the other thing in that scene. Another thing that bothered me. So, you know, she she fends off these guys. He doesn't help her. Like the 20 people around don't help her. And then he says, I could haul you in for assault for what you did to those guys. <laughs> even then though he drives were, around the middle. Even though they were trying to rape her. I mean, <laughs> everybody I, exactly. saw what was going on. <laughs> so so then they, they drive out. He drives her out in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and she says, hey, uh, you know, I don't need your help. And he's like, all right, fine. Get out. <laughs> yet, yet another reason not to like this guy. It's like, <laughs> where am I? You, just, you threw me in your car, That's drove right. me in the middle of nowhere, and now you're going to be indignant and say, get out? Uh, but but of course, her decision, it, just like turning around and getting the sword, is dicey. And she says, hey, come on back to my place. I kind of like your, uh, your spunk. <laughs> hey, oh, Ming. <laughs> that was not a direct quote. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Don't say anything. She says, you stay in here and check things out. Oh, by the way, there's the bed over there. And uh, I'm going to go in here and take a shower. I'll be right back. So she comes out, does a uh, little burlesque kind of thing there for a second, has the towel yeah. on and kind of drops it off from the backside so you don't see anything, changes the shirt. He's about to blow a fuse. And then we get the scene, <laughs> <laughs> we get the scene where they get on the couch and if you think the Howling 2 that we covered had some weird sex scenes, 
uh, this one's probably got it beat because uh, apparently they both really it's either one of two things they either really like V8 or V8 paid a big portion of this movie (laughs) just to have the product in there (laughs) moving on inexplicably they start dating and like like Rick said it's not a good idea for him because this ninja hates cops and I don't know if it was the ninja's ploy to get this guy close because it certainly wasn't his charming personality that brought him to her, but um, still not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, the, you said dating. I mean, I don't think it was. I mean, the first night after they spend the night together is when things start happening. She wakes up in the middle of the night and hears some weird little noises and stuff. And out of the closet comes the glowing flying sword or sword hanging off a string because it's got some it's got motion like it's just being swung off a string uh, and i've got to say i i love this oh yeah i love this glowing sword coming out of the closet i it's love awesome. it the whole scene is awesome yeah. i love it i mean it's it's everything you wanted a movie to be at this point so why not yeah it's a demonic mystic ninja sword coming out of your closet in the middle of the night. It's awesome. It don't get much cooler than that, man. That's pretty I, awesome. I wish I had one in my in my closet right now. The only thing cooler than that is what appears next. So the next reason to watch this movie, the reason it's even called Ninja 3, Shokasugi. He was in all of the ninja movies at this point. Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 2, Ninja 3, <laughs> Ninja 2, the Olympics. Filming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Remember when he was doing the pole vault? <laughs> he did the pole vault. Filming. So, uh, Shokasugi, man, and you're probably going, I don't know who that is. Yeah, if you saw a picture of the guy, in this movie, he's got an eye patch on. He At this point, he was what everybody associated with as the ninja. He was the go-to person with these movies. Made a ton of this stuff back in the day. He's awesome. He's cool. His acting is not that great, but he don't have to be. He just has to stand and look pretty cool and then just kick a bunch of butt. Next reason to watch it, though, video games are the devil. She hadn't gone full-on yeah. possessed just yet. Things go pretty crazy. You get uh, a total poltergeist ripoff right here, man. Even to the point to where the closet doors open, there's a light in there, and all the furniture and everything starts sucking their way over to that doorway. She's hanging on to stuff, trying not to go into the light. And uh, then all of a sudden, the video game turns around and corners her and uh, starts shooting shooting lasers out of it. At at least a third of the movie budget was probably spent on a beam splitter. So they had to find a way to use that beam splitter, and they they stuck it in the video game console, which was probably the other third of the uh, the budget. You know, the, the, so we've got two thirds of the budget in this scene right now. But you know what? It, just like the scene earlier, it looks awesome. I still like it. So she recognizes one of the cops when she's at the station. One of the one, ones that shot her when she was the dude, the Don Johnson ninja. So she decides that uh, she's going to suit up. Go to his house. Dude's just kind of hanging out, being Minnesota fats, shooting a little pool. And uh, she comes in, grabs one of the pool balls, crushes it with her hand, and uh, knocks the dude off. So now they're starting to go, wait a minute, something's going on here. People are k- getting killed. And it's the the other cop keeps calling and checking on her, and she's disappearing all the time these things are happening. So you're starting to get that kind of story going. Well, oh, she's disappeared and all that kind of stuff, right? Where were well, you at at I- this time? I tried to call. And again, I've got the, they got to say the, the next morning, you know, the guy's dead on the ground. The paramedics are carrying him away. And, you know, what's going to be suspicious to you in this situation? You just saw the ninja. He was there with you. You know, the guy's been murdered. Well, the other ninja 
from Japan is just standing right there looking <laughs> stony as hell. He's, he's just over there watching the whole thing. And, and the cop who's her boyfriend now sees him and looks at him and he doesn't make any, you know, he doesn't like smile or walk away or anything. It's like, man, that guy did it. I was got to say the, the billiard ball thing, you know, there was a precedent earlier on the golf course, you know, right. looking, hey, find my golf ball. And the bodyguard <laughs> goes there and the ninja cracks the, the golf ball and blows it in his face. Hey, you got a problem. It's like, well, <laughs> No, you got a problem, and it's called N-I-N-J-A-I-T-I-S. Right. Coming at you, <laughs> ninja-itis. <laughs> ninja-itis. <laughs> That's that the next movie, man. We've got to do that. That'll be our next Hail Ming movie, ninja-itis. Ninja-itis. <laughs> I want people out there that's listening, if you come up with a, uh, I don't know, a logo or something for our new movie, ninja-itis, the Olympics. Ninja-itis. This time, it's for real. <laughs> this time, it's for real. <laughs> That's All the right. best I got. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Ninjitis. Yep. I expect to see t-shirts of Ninjitis out there. So, movie posters. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I can tell. So, the soundtrack by Daryl D.B. Cooper. <laughs> absolutely. So, we've knocked off the one cop that's got the billiard table, which is apparently his only crime between shooting ninjas. He has a pool table. <laughs> yeah. But you got to love this next guy. <laughs> The guy that looks like Ben Stiller's dad, <laughs> and he picks up the two <laughs> chicks at the at the cop station, and he takes them back to the hot tub. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to tell uh, you, folks, man. I, it just this probably makes no sense more than anything else in the movie, because <laughs> these yeah, girls are like young, hot girls, and it's just this dude, man, with the comb over hair, and hey, he he was like, "Hey, gals, you want to get out of this ticket?" That's <laughs> probably what it was. <laughs> Come on over here to this Asian spa, and we're going to hot tub it for a while. So, uh, just like before, our star slash enemy in the movie notices the cop, follows him, and I have to admit, this scene at the hot tub is pretty dang awesome. It's almost like too good to be in this movie, really. Because uh, she follows him. She decides that she's going to wear a bathing suit and get in the tub. And, man, she's got this ring that she's wearing. She just walks up between the two girls, pushes them out of the way, starts kissing the dude. And they're all like, well, just do what you want to then, little slut, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And she's got that ring, and she pulls the, the stone off of that ring, and it's there's a needle. And she pops dude in the neck, which obviously is poison or whatever. Dude's dying. Then she reaches over and, like, scrapes across the other girl's chest with that with that spike that's in that ring, that needle. And then she grabs the other girl and just chokes her to death. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of that, they're all just floating in the hot tub while she takes off. She just takes off. Goes home, does some aerobicize. Yeah. I think that scene is probably better than anything else really in the movie as far as the way it's put together and right. shot. Looks good. Well, I mean, and, and so, you know, it was almost horror-esque at that point. Of course, then you, you, we've got to talk about the demon uh, exorcism <laughs> or the, the ninja exorcism. We've Without got to, a doubt. Without a doubt. So the the wolf cop is starting to think that there's a problem with his girlfriend. and uh, <laughs> Wolf cop. <laughs> this guy's really hairy. Hey, oh, man. <laughs> and it's not really that other people aren't hairy. It's just that he's like in a tank top every other scene and it's like man i mean it just by our standards today it right 
You feel like really you can probably does. grab the guy by the hair on his shoulders and just pick him up and throw him across the room by it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's Moss Man. Right. So Wolf Cop's thinking something's really wrong with my girlfriend. And he takes her to the incredible James Hong, who happens to be an ninja ex- exorcist. So uh, there's not many of those around, man. There's very few ninja exorcists out there. And they just happen to live in the same city as one. Man, he's got all the tools you need for a ninja exorcism. They they stand her up and they tie these ropes to each side of her so she's almost kind of like held in place. Danny, go ahead and jump in and tell us about this ninja exorcism a little bit. Man, so, you know, the guy works for the cops and he's with the Asian division or something, the guy says. I don't know. It's um, But it's James Hong. He's got a, a little parlor where he does, you know, kind of gypsy fortune telling work. And uh, and the guy's like, hey, I think there might be someone with my girlfriend. And so, you know, of course, he he doesn't think anything of it. But then, you know, when he when he smudges her soul or whatever, he finds the demon in there, right. the, the ninja. I keep calling it a demon because you don't see a bunch of ninja exorcisms. So I just start yeah. thinking demon exorcism. Sure. But yeah, he finds the demon. And he's like, you know what? This isn't such a hodgepodge shop. I've got these shackles back here. I can shackle up this demon, and uh, you know. And there's even a part where where the de- where the ninja is like, "Hey, let me go!" And he starts to try and let her go. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's like, well, the spirit told me to let him go. <laughs> but it goes crazy. It really does, man. So yeah, a definite point to stop and watch. I mean, you can kind of scan through all this stuff. You know, you're going to stop and see the deaths for sure. But this thing, man, I mean, they try their best to tie in all the things you know about the movie The Exorcist into this scene. Uh, Instead of flopping back and forth on the bed, those shackles we're talking about, the ropes she's got tied, she just starts doing somersaults, and these right, ropes right. are just holding her <laughs> in the same circle, and she's just spinning and laughing. She even does the thing where she comes up to James Hong's face and breathes like, fi- not fire, but like fog like a, and like smoke. Like a dust, you know, like right. a cloud, yeah. Right. Her hair changes and, color, and you see some, you know, changes in the face, and... <laughs> <laughs> I guess they thought, you know, she's she's an athlete, you know, so we can have her doing some like gymnastic flips <laughs> instead of the head spinning around or I don't know. It I say just watch it. Oh, I, I can't. Yeah, there's no words for it, folks. You just you got to check it out. I mean, you can say this about this whole movie though. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. To believe uh, it. <laughs> or not to believe it. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, he's getting back to the story. He realizes he can't do anything. She even forces his body against the wall and sticks him to the wall. So very, very exorcist stuff going on here. And then uh, Shokasugi, we just we find out he hates cops too. So it must just be a ninja thing in general. They just hate cops. But uh, he's a little upset because he's wanting to get to, to the bottom of this. He's there for a reason because you get a flashback. If this ninja, when he was a normal person, a normal ninja, instead of a dead ninja, uh, he was still pretty evil. And the reason Shokasugi is wearing a patch on his eye... I was a young ninja! (laughs) So he knocks out Shokasugi's eye with a throwing star and laughs at him. 
So I guess you'd say this guy's a ninja bully. Shokasugi is not convinced that he's dead. He wants to see the body. So he goes to where they're keeping the body, and he pretty much just kills everybody that's, that's working at the place. You, you know, he might could have just asked, and they would have let him come in. <laughs> Asking is not the ninja way. <clears throat> I guess not, because he don't ask for squat. So uh, Now, we get to the cop funeral. <laughs> Where, where's the best place to kill a bunch of cops? Cop funeral. <laughs> so, you, you know, the, the ninja, the, the possessed ninja aerobics instructor murders a whole bunch with, with arrows and blow darts. and <laughs> They're all sitting ninja around the gravesite, and, you know, and I think even Taps is playing. I don't know. <laughs> She's just unleashing these arrows <clears throat> from a tree from across the road, <laughs> dropping cops left and right. And uh, you described it best. You said it's almost like the scene from Garth Moringa's Dark Place <laughs> when the guy's out there just <laughs> shooting randomly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it reminded me of that a lot, actually. <laughs> Yet again, it's something that wasn't supposed to be serious. But uh, it reminded me of that. I mean, because the ninjas got the opportunity to finish this off and kill all the cops that killed him. So, you know, Kasugi, you know, chases the ninja from there to a construction site where we have some construction site ninja battle. You got to have and, that uh, in any kind of ninja movie. You got to get to a desolated area where stuff can fall and you can fall and all that good stuff. So. Right, right. And then, you know, we'll just we'll just push on through and say at that point they buy the story. You know, they, they let... Kasugi tell him what's going on, and Kasugi goes and has the showdown with the Ninja Ninja. They take Lucinda and Wolf Cop, and they go to, I guess they go to Japan? Is that where they go? Where are they going? I thought they just went back out into the desert where they got the ninja weapons. I guess, but there's a a big monastery out there. (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) Well, because Sugi, when he came to America, he went to that monastery and he's like, oh yeah, you know, you know me. And that's kind of like his base camp on this side of the pond. I I knew he met him like at the airport, but I don't remember him actually going to the monastery. So I guess that makes sense. I mean, they just did that without having to actually go there, I guess. So yeah, they bring her there. They bring the dead body there. And they make the spirit come out of her and go into the old dead body. And now you got some ninja versus ninja action going on. That is, I would say, very well done. It's got some good fight scenes in it. Uh, it's a ninja movie. They're fighting. And only a ninja can kill a ninja. Only a ninja can kill a ninja. That's right. So the ninja showdown is awesome. It goes on for quite a while. And in the middle of it, even though he's back in his old body... He possesses all the monks and makes them all start trying to kill Shokasugi as well. So he's kicking monk butt everywhere. <laughs> monk butt. Monk butt. So he's using those as a distraction. You know, the bad guys always got to cheat. That's just the way they do. So uh, that's he, how they do. Well, he's he's a bully ninja. We've established that. <laughs> bully ninja. <laughs> monk butt bully, bully ninja. <laughs> Sounds like a seventies movie. Monk butt. Monk butt bully ninja. <laughs> I agree. We need a t-shirt for that too, folks. Monk butt ninja. What was it? (laughs) I'm not going to wear a monk butt t-shirt. Come on, man. Maybe. It's monk butt. Buy a bag. Go home in a butt. I think I remember that movie. (laughs) Monk butt gonna kick the hell out of you. (laughs) Hey, that's good. I like that. So did ACDC. A little ACDC action there. Who did the soundtrack for this movie? Helming. 
<laughs> so Ninja Showdown's going on. You got a bunch of disappearing, reappearing stuff going on. They go outside because the monastery is just not big enough for a ninja battle. <laughs> yeah, there's a point where the ninja like like drills into the ground with his feet. <laughs> Wasn't that you know, awesome? Like he's spinning so fast. Yeah. I mean. You got to see this it's part. Every- so at this point, what I, what, I do, what I want you guys to realize that at one hour and 26 minutes into this movie, Lucinda is now wearing a wig. I had to rewind it and watch it like two, three times. I was like, wait a minute. Something really looks different here. So they did just <laughs> they did just like on Samurai Cop where they went back to do, I guess, some pickup shots. And she had already cut her hair because she was going to be in, I don't know, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, maybe? Probably. At the same time, yeah. somewhere in there. So she was going, obviously, back to the short hair, and she's got a, a wig. There's no denying it. It's a wig. So, uh, And it kind of does the uh, appearing, disappearing act as well, just like the ninjas do. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's fake. Maybe it's just some some uh, cut footage where the, the whole thing was such an ordeal that it made her hair fall out and... There was a long, you know, drawn-out process. Of, yeah. Sure. When you're possessed by a ninja, I mean, it can put your body through a lot of stress. So, yeah, her hair might have fallen out, and they just had to go yep. buy her a wig. So. You know what does do a body good? Milk. You know what doesn't? Ninja. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she runs up when the battle's going on. She's got the sword. She runs up and stabs the ninja with his own sword. And that's when he barrel, barrels into the ground, which causes yep. an earthquake. <laughs> I mean, this is how crazy this thing is. So, dude starts burrowing down into the ground. It causes an earthquake. Shokasuki says, well, I just happen to have this grappling hook on. <laughs> Throws it on the side of the mountain. Hangs up there. I have to say, this scene right here is what most people that saw it back in the day remember. Because he's holding on. Dead ninja comes and grabs his leg. Starts crawling, crawling up Shokasuki. Sho pulls out, I don't know, about a nine-inch long blade. And just jabs it right into the top of the dude's head, man. Not like in the forehead, but I mean like square on the top of the head. And just all the way down to the to the handle of the blade. Because Lucinda Dickey, she stabbed him and it would have killed him, except what wasn't she anymore? She wasn't she a, ninja. a ninja. That's right. She didn't have so? that strength. So Isn't there a big explosion? Nope. There's like a there's like an esoteric explosion spirit bomb <laughs> thing that goes off there. Uh, that's very, very possible. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like fire or something. It, it, it's got some big climactic, yeah. like the ninja spirit, like explodes right. somehow. Right. And and I want to reiterate that although we've played with some names or some songs or whatever that might have been in the movie, we are not making any of this up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this movie. This is, is Ninja Three: The Domination. It's bonkers, man. I don't see you regretting getting to just sit and watch this thing. If you like any kind of eighties movies, this thing is. Incredible. Watch it once. You might never want to watch it again, except for when you get your friends together and say, you've got to watch this thing. Yeah. It's this crazy. Is, this is a definite movie that you will <laughs> show people because it's just got so much show. You're going to show Kasugi some people this movie. Yeah, man. I I love it. I think it's just uh, it's a rip-roaring good time, man. It's, it's fun. You can't describe the stuff in this movie well enough. You have to see it for yourself. That's the best recommendation I can think of. Don't take our word for it. Go check it out because <laughs> you're going to say, yeah, everything they that they talked about is in this movie. So, uh, God, got to check it out. 
So, right. Rick, are we ready to give this thing a rating? Let's give this thing a rating, man. I give it uh, 35 possessed monks. Well, and I'll go ahead and give it 17 ninjas drilling into the ground with their feet. Wow. And causing an earthquake. Uh, that's, again. Just, just one earthquake, not 17 earthquakes, just you, one. You got to see it. It's incredible. And you got to. <laughs> Brian Blessed, what do you think of the greatest movie ever made? Die! He sounded pretty excited. He knows that only a ninja can make another ninja die. <laughs> die. Hell <laughs> me. All right, we'll be right <clears throat> back. Well, hello there. Do you need a special gift for that special someone? Sure do. Have you thought about what you might give her? Uh, a puppy? Hey, here's an idea. How about a star? Oh, like one of those name a star thingies? No, better. Totally unique and she'll love it. Some kind of jewelry? How about a ninja star? What? And a sword? I don't know. Do you have a telephone, line worker, aerobics instructor girlfriend? Nothing to give her? Uh, what? Shut up. How about this gift of ninja? A glowing table light, throwing stars, caltrips, a magic demon sword. And if you act now, we can deliver it all by Ninja Courier. Or through a full-size stand-up video game in her home. That sounds pretty random, but also perfect. How do I get it? I said shut up. The only way to get the gift of Ninja for a limited time is to surround a ninja with shotguns and let nature take its course on a golf course call 1-800-NINJA-GO to deliver your very own gift of ninja I'll call right now shut up evils abound and the world is on fire if you've been watching that devil box, then you've seen the latest attack for your very souls, Ninja Possession. Possession. That's right, the devil put on his ninjutsu outfit uh, and made that girl feel the wrath of the ninja star. Ninja star. Hello, folks. Pastor J.C. Winneman here. You may remember me as the preacher that saved that 10-year-old boy uh, after being possessed by a sumo wrestler. And I cast him out into a pack of raccoons. And today, I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, the evil is back sixfold to destroy the world in which we live from day to day. But it can be turned around, for I have great news for you. Good news. Pastor J.C. Winneman is now the only certified ninja exorcist in the Tri-County. Gonna cast out a bad evil ninja! So if your loved one is dressed all in black, has a sword, listens to 
80s pop music no, guy no. and has a video game console mm. in their house. Give me a call and I will cast that evil ninja spirit out, out and throw it into a, a possum or something. Yeah, uh, Maybe a chicken and then we'll fry that sucker. That's delicious. So don't delay and call. This is Pastor J.C. Winneman saying change your ways before you set a blaze. All right, welcome back to the second movie of our episode 18 here. And uh, this is a, a classic. And matter of fact, on the Facebook page when we posted this, and this is the one everybody was talking about. They were excited because we're going to talk about Remo Williams, man. And uh, so this is just a classic. It's probably one of those uh, movies that was a complete failure when it came out. But it got new legs when it was released on HBO and the VHS boom and all that stuff. So it's just right. one we grew up with. And uh, we're both diehard fans of this movie. Just loved it. Watched it so many times. So uh, we're talking about Remo Williams, man. It's awesome. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Uh, it also had a title of Remo Williams, Unarmed and Dangerous. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, if you're over there in Britain, I think that that was the going title over there for the most part. Fred Ward, you know, Milford Brimley. It's just fun. It kind of hit that sweet spot because it wasn't quite diehard or anything like that. It was a little more friendly. So it was just at, for the right age group. You know, if you were in the, in, in your teens or whatever, this movie just fit in there really nicely. Like I said, it, it wasn't a diehard style movie, but it had enough action adventure stuff that you just got hooked on it, and, and you're like, man, I'd, li I'd like to be Remo Williams. To go from there, Arnold's coming back. Give us another one. Arnold, Arnold, take it away. The Domination, <laughs> also known as the greatest Ninja movie 3. of all time. The Domination. He doesn't want to talk about Remo. He's still hooked on Ninja 3. You can take that for what it is, folks. <laughs> Arnold, don't he's let me down. Take it away, man. He's trained to become there you an go. extraordinary, unique assassin in service of the U.S. president. 6.4 out of 10. It has the greatest actor of all time, Joe Dirt's dad. <laughs> the quote to remember is, It will be better for you to eat this can than what is inside of it. Why must everything in this country be coated with monosodium chloramate? You can't even say it. I can say rat droppings. That does not mean I want to. <laughs> I want to. He wants to drop rats or he wants to rat droppings? I don't know, man. It's, it's Arnold. You know, you never know what he's really and saying anyways. I'll just have a reason to watch Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. The Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Without a doubt. There's a Statue of Liberty scene that kind of like North by Northwest fighting on the, the uh, Mount Rushmore where Remo Williams fights a bunch of construction workers on the Statue of Liberty. And if you are a child of the 80s or a child of the 70s who grew up through the 80s, you know that they resurfaced the Statue of Liberty. So it was covered in scaffolds. Right. And that's where this fight takes place. And it is unique. And it is incredibly cool. Yeah. So just what a perfect stamp on that time is just having this in the movie. So 
it's a yeah. it's a great scene to what happens on there. We'll probably talk about it as we go along. Yeah, yeah. I know I jumped a lot of the thing, but I just you know that's my number one reason. Oh, right. Although Captain Janeway from from Voyager, she's she's a good reason to be in there too. Yep. Yeah. Plays a pretty pivotal character in there too. I mean, it, it's uh, that's the first thing I thought too. Is, hey, it's Voyager. All right. My number one reason is McCleary, which is the uh, the other partner that's involved in this. He's a yep. ex ex military, I guess, or he may still be military. It's it's kind of questionable of what his role really is, but you know that he's a part of this team that's uh, doing this underground work to uh, weed out the bad guys. And try to keep the country clean. He's just a bad dude. Matter of fact, he gives Remo his name, which is a great scene. In case you don't know, I, I won't give it away. But uh, if you have seen uh, Usual Suspects, it's kind of that situation of how he gets his names, if you know what I mean. You know, the the, uh, the guy that you're talking about, he's he's got, he's got a fake arm, man. Right. I mean, you know, is this straight up uh, Carl Weathers from uh, <laughs> Happy Gilmore kind of, kind of, you know, real sturdy. <laughs> Except um, he doesn't say, I got that guy's eyeball, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. I mean, the, the group Cure, that uh, that he ends up being an assassin, is really just three guys. Right. You know, four if you include him. Remo Williams is a cop, you know, is a New York City cop. Kind of a, rough, in the, kind of a rough and tumble guy. You know, he you can tell he's not uh, really taking good care of himself. He's just doing the regular, you know, midnight beat or whatever, and, you know, he's drinking coffee and eating bad food for him and that's the reason i had was this big mustache he's got <laughs> he's oh man ro- he's rocking this big fake mustache to the fact you know it's fake because he takes a bite of the sandwich and you see it like lift up <laughs> i everybody i've told about this i said yeah well so fred ward plays this cop who who gets killed in the line of duty and they they or they fake his death and then they bring him back and give him a face uh you know, they give him plastic surgery to look just like he like did he before. <laughs> just minus I mean, the mustache. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, they kind of try like it's dark and he's leaning forward and he's eating stuff. So they make his face look kind of different. His eyes are squinty, but he doesn't look any different. He really I doesn't. I mean, you know, it's like, and he, he even makes a point. He's like, who, why do I look different? It's like, you don't, man. What have you, you done to my don't. face? What's wrong with my nose? It's like, dude, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it yeah. hasn't changed. <laughs> So obviously the the whole thing, you know, he's becoming a super assassin. So they they wipe his record clean. He becomes a a, a new uh, secret guy. You yeah, know. yeah. So and uh, they they send him to go meet his trainer. And it's it's Chun and and they they actually send him to go kill him, which is a great scene. Right. Well, let's just face it. Possibly the main reason to watch this movie is Chun. It's you know I, I I looked up some stuff about it today and I found out that Joel Gray got a uh, a Golden Globe nomination for this and considering the the content of this movie it's not anything dramatic it's extremely bubblegum you right. know the fact that he got a nomination for anything for also being in you know in what would you call it Yellowface I don't know like right. he's a white actor right. who's playing a yeah a, you know like Fu Manchu uh, and so, yeah, I don't think you could do that today. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything bad about Joel Gray for doing it because he did a great job with the part, even though it was kind of a stereotyped part. He's great in everything he did. I mean, you can go back and look at his body of work, and guy did some great work. Yeah, the, I think the best thing he did was he had Jennifer Gray. You know, well, 
Mm, I don't know about mm-hmm. that. Think I'm think I'm sniffing out what my uh shut my rating system is gonna be. You shut up. Uh, apparently Brian Blissett yeah. doesn't care for Jennifer Gray, so Well Brian Blessed can suck it. All right. <laughs> uh come on man, Wilford Brimley and his supercomputer. Wilford Brimley. And a supercomputer, which right. of course takes up a whole room because it has all the information about all the people in the world. That's right. He gets it from the post office. <laughs> but this whole computer setup, it really looks like it's going to be the uh, the thing that makes the fortunes from uh, from the the last dragon, you know, where they're going to push a button. It's going <laughs> to, you know, big like, right. like roll out the fortune. And they're like, right. oh, oh, it says I will take a long journey. You know? It's like the ticker it's tape just, thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's what a supercomputer in the 80s, you know, we're like, oh, look at that. Right. That thing could do anything. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, but again, you know, he's a super spy. He's working for this super organization with this supercomputer. And Milford Brimley's in there. Well, I've, I've got the wisdom to run this whole thing, you know, because I've got this mustache. <laughs> they, they, send him to, <laughs> they send him to Chun. You know, ostensibly, you're going to murder this guy. And he goes in and he's like, well, I, I guess I got to kill the guy upstairs. Hey, there's nobody upstairs. I guess I got to kill you. And and Chun, like, you know, dodges all of his shots. He, he pisses him off from across the room. You know, he's like, I don't want to kill you. And he's like, well, no, I kind of do because he insults him. And right. so he, Chun does this cool, like, like a bullet dodge, you know, a la Matrix kind of stuff gets up and takes the clip out of the gun. You know, it's something that, that later after Remo has been trained, he does it. Right. And it's kind of a, Oh, you, he's arrived kind of thing. Right. And it, it's, it's neat. You know, they, they do like the meh kind of music, you know, like, like the, the, the old Kung Fu music. Right. So it's just a nice little setup and it's kind of setting you up for, he's the, uh, kind of like Yoda in a way. He's a human Yoda and uh, yeah. he's, he's full of the wisdom. He knows how things work. His patience is at a level that's beyond human. It's just—I don't know, man. It just—it just works. This—it really is what makes this movie work because the relationship between those two is what you invest in. You know, yeah. so what if he's just running around and he's Remo Williams and he's whipping a bunch of people? You find out that they ain't really create a relationship together. And Chun is a bad dude, man. He was just the martial arts grandmaster guy. You know, that's that was the the role. Right. That's all I. So that was kind of your setup of the team. It's it's a very small team, but you've got your information guy. Then you've got your kind of military background looking guy. You've got your guy that can train somebody to go out and do the battle. And then you've got the actual subject themselves that are replaceable. You know, that's kind of how this system is set up. Remo's training is amazing. I love it when he's uh, running on the beach. <laughs> and he dives into that pile of sand and comes yeah. out the other side and all this stuff. So it's all these kind of superhuman things but he's being trained to do this stuff and getting to where he can run and not leave footprints he's getting so light that he's actually running on air i guess you would say yeah so there's all these cool things going on in this silly little movie of a of a fbi kind of guy really oh and, but and early on you know you, you've got this whole he's being trained by chun and chun tells him he needs to poke his fingers on this wood you know he's like you know, put your fingers on this fingerboard and it will harden the tips of your fingers. And right. he's like, well, 
you know, so what am I, where, you know, so I'm just going to be up here playing with my fingerboard. Where do I put this anyway? So Chun just hammers his finger right through the middle of the wooden board, puts a hole in it. And he's like, find a nail. <laughs> and it, it's just, it, it's one of these like, okay, he, he practices what he preaches. He's not just telling him to do all this stuff. He's actually done it. And he's this little badass, you know? Right. right. So just some greats. You got that. And then you got where Remo is starting to learn a bit. And he's doing the balance test where he's jumping up on the post and the poles and all that mm-hmm. stuff they've set up in the in the room in there. So basically, it, they've locked themselves away. All he does is train all the time with Chun. This is all that's going on, and he teaches him and, he, and some pretty impressive stuff. Uh, jumping from pole to pole like he's doing, it's all based off of balance. Then he gets to the top and thinks it should be all you know celebration kind of thing, and then Chun says, "Okay, do it again." And then he turns the lights off. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you can't trust what you see. You got to go by feel. And uh, that didn't work out too well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, as a kid, I remember wanting to set up those posts in my house, you know, so that I could do that. Like, I, I totally wanted to do all that. Right. It, it, and it's, it, again, it's it's every kid's dream to, you know, to, to go train and be an awesome badass and work for this elite little force and do all this. That's what the 80s were about for these action movies. Right. And I read. I read again too, and I knew this going in that Remo Williams was based on one of those. It's like those pulp novels, those actions called the Destroyer. The Destroyer, yeah. And you know, it's a series of novels that have been going off for you know twenty years before then, probably longer. And they they hope were hoping that it would be you know a, a series of movies that would go on. It just didn't right. didn't catch on. Just didn't catch on, and uh, and it all hung on that first movie. So reasons to watch it. The training coach from Rocky Four is guess what? A bad guy. What? Yes. He's a bad guy. So Oh. <laughs> he just looks like a bad guy. But my favorite it's, bad guy is the guy with the with the diamond in his tooth. Yeah, diamond tooth guy. Diamond tooth I mean, guy. <laughs> so so yeah, reasons to watch it. You got Remo being reborn as an assassin. You got Chun training him in the ancient ways. You got a great fight that takes place on the Statue of Liberty cuz he just goes up there to meditate and Somebody hires a bunch of construction workers to go beat him up, and of course they are okay with killing a guy. Um, oh, and I want to say something on that real quick yeah. too, because I was watching that and I wasn't paying attention, but the dude's just counting out the money, and he goes, you know, uh, two hundred ninety-seven, two ninety-eight, two ninety-nine, <laughs> three hundred. And I thought, you kidding me? These guys are going to go kill a person <laughs> for three hundred bucks? <laughs> And I got to looking, and they were all hundreds. So for three thousand bucks, which means there was three guys that got a thousand dollars a piece to go <laughs> to go knock off a guy that's on the scaffolding at the, at the, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, priorities were seriously skewed in the eighties. <laughs> they they needed their cocaine money. Uh, so yeah, they they go out there. Well, it doesn't. It works out well for Remo. He gets some extra training out of the deal. But he's all again. And Remo is is a very flawed character. He's like, oh, just just let's, he's scared. He's not super spy yet, you know. Um. So reasons to watch it. You know, you got that. You got a great henchman with a diamond tooth. Yeah. Who you just want that guy to get killed? Yeah. You can't wait for him to get knocked off. So he he might as well be one of the white boys from uh from I Come in Peace. You hate him so much. And I love the scene where when you first see him and he's taking the pictures and Remo's out in front of his car and he honks and says, move. And he walks up and chokes him. That's when you get to see the, the diamond. And then the the lady cop that comes up to him, 
sir, you need to stop kung fu in that young man's throat. <laughs> uh, and that's a that's a great scene right there. So he he ends up taking care of some business. But there's one scene in particular. <laughs> Remember when he runs across the concrete and it's still wet? Yeah. And the other guy runs through, and of course he falls through. But there's a dude that looks like Snoop Dogg, dressed up like a construction worker. And he makes a face like, ooh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and like, and the guy just, just gets engulfed in concrete, and they don't go to help him out or anything. He just kind of gloop, like he's gone. Right, right. So yep, just cover that up, smooth it out, and go on about your day. <laughs> It's like how many people were refurbishment of the uh, Statue of Liberty, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he runs across the thing, and you know, again, you're showing how fleet-footed he's becoming uh, under Chun's tutelage. And there's a point where you know the the guy comes to him and says, "Hey, we we need Remo for a for a job." He's like, "When's he gonna be ready?" He says, "Oh, twenty more years." And he's like, <laughs> 15. 20 more years." He tells him, 15. 15 more years." Yeah, he says, 15 years." And he's like, 15 years." He's like. If I cut some corners, 14 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he borrows him for a, for a cool, like, here's another reason to watch the movie. He borrows him for this uh, infiltration mission where they end up going toe-to-toe with some Doberman pinchers. Right. Smartest it, dogs on the planet, man. These things man, are awesome. <laughs> they kick some butt. I, I had to show my wife this because she used to have Adobe, and they're great dogs. But, I mean... I remember this from a kid. Like this was the only thing I'd ever seen him in, and it's like, man, these dogs are the smartest dogs ever because they, they trick, you know, they 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 pull down a ladder and they they chase him. He thinks he's got him fooled a couple of times, but right, you can't stop him, yeah, unless you have a fake arm. Next reason to me, I mean, we're gonna jump a bit, but the whole gas chamber scene, man, yeah, I mean, that's that's to me, that's what this really comes down to. That's my favorite scene of this whole movie. Because uh, they've captured Remo and our lady hero as well. And they're trying to knock them off. And they put them in this chamber. They trick them thinking that they're walking through to go look at something that has to do with this gun issue that's been going on. They put them in this chamber. And the door is shut. The gas starts coming in. And on the other side, looking through some safety glass, is Mr. Diamond Tooth. Yeah. Snarling that guy, at I hate that guy. hate that guy. <laughs> Oh, so I'm not going to reveal what all happens there, but it's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's a great escape scene it's for awesome. sure. Like yeah. using what you have, you know, available to you at the moment. Right. That's what Remo does there. So needless to say, they get out, but I'm not going to tell you how they get out, but it's pretty dang and awesome. Captain and, Janeway. And I also want to say during their escape, if you want to call it that, and when they get out, uh, <laughs> They find Chun. They decide they're going to steal like this delivery truck. And there's a couple of redneck guys that are changing a tire or whatever. I think the rear end's messed up. Or brake lines, I think is what it really is. But but the it's, it's at one hour and 42 minutes into this movie. <laughs> you got to see the overdubbing right here. Because there's one guy that's kind of got his back <laughs> to the camera the whole time. And they overdub his voice. And it's just the worst. <laughs> How do you think you're going to fix that, Ruby? <laughs> and you can tell this guy would not talk this way at all. And uh, so that's just something to look out for. It's a little comic uh, piece in there that, I, I don't know, I just kept watching over and over and just yep. laughing out loud. 
Well, and, and speaking of which, like a reason to watch Remo Williams is the comedy. I mean, sure. All the interactions between Chun and Remo, it's not serious at all. They're, right. they're always trading quips and, you know, and and uh, Chun talks about his, his uh, I mean, first of all, he watches uh, soap operas and, and there's a, a little shtick about that. And then he, he's got a uh, technique to, uh, to get women that he tells Remo about and it doesn't come to fruition until the end when it's <laughs> it's really just you know he taps on her pulse and she goes unconscious <laughs> which <laughs> i mean it's 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 funny though it's it's a it's a really humorous kind of thing the the jokes go throughout the whole thing the the, the humor is there the acting is there right. it really wasn't as well received as it should have been right right i think people just didn't know what it was you know and and uh because you were getting these kind of movies kind of left and right at this point all kinds of you know action hero kind of guys and stuff so it just seemed like uh maybe this maybe if, if this one would have came out a little earlier a couple of years earlier or so it might have done better i just think they were kind of over flooded with these kind of movies at the time and i think that's what hurt it but it's still fantastic uh the ending you know, there's a lot going on that ties this whole story together. We've skipped a lot of the actual story of what's happening and why they're chasing this particular person. Uh, again, don't want to reveal too much. We want to leave some of the mystery of the story to you guys to check out. But I still think it's very well done. The action sequences are great. The truck crash, when they run that delivery truck off the edge because the brakes are out, and it's just a mangled mess down there, almost like large Marge described, right? Yeah, they go down there and and they start. They can't find Chun. He wasn't thrown from the vehicle, so they start digging through, and he's just compacted, where this vehicle's just crushed him in there, but it's, it hasn't hurt him at all. It's just like he's in a cocoon or something. Right. And they just rip it open and just pull him out, and uh, he makes some comment of. Uh, he went to jump out and he pulled the door handle off. And he said, if it was in Korea, this wouldn't yeah. happen. Yeah, door handles don't come off in Korea. <laughs> well, of course, at the end, he also runs across water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah because he talks about the ability to do it. The whole movie again, it was one of those things. And finally, he does it, and it's great. He doesn't look like he's running fast at all. He just kind of. <laughs> Yeah, little short guy chucking across the water, and um, I call it the Chun Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kind of running like Velma or something. He's, right. he's got little little high knees going on, uh, but it's great. And you know, the, at the end, I, I'll always remember. Uh, you know, as, from as a, a kid watching this, the, at the end, you know, they, they hire him to get rid of this guy, and it's supposed to look like an accident. You know, it's always with these guys; it's supposed to be like flawless. So he he hijacks this this lumber, this this big like like log carrier, uh, yeah. and it goes across the thing, and he and the zip he, line and, log is what I called it. It's such a weird yeah, he, thing. Where they're moving this lumber around, right. and he and he unhooks it at just the right moment, and it lands on the guy's truck, and it just blows him up, and it's like, oh, it looks you know eighty five percent like an accident or whatever, <laughs> and it's it's just like, actually, it's he falls great. On, there's another stack of logs that are sitting there, and he hits that, and they all roll down and crush the dude's vehicle, but they're shooting at it the and, whole time that he's on this zip line log, and he's like going around to the opposite side, it's almost like, you know. It's one of those things where it was a handy accident at the end when he drops the log and it just kind of worked out that way. And he's like, yeah, right. 
I meant to do that. <laughs> I, I think he did. I yeah. mean, well, he was he was pretty bad by the end of it, so you know I could believe it. And then the main bad guy's got the gun, and he's pointing at Remo, and he's shooting. And guess what Remo's doing? Dodging bullets. Just just like Chun. Just like Chun walking up. He can hear him pulling the trigger and the responses, so he knows when to move and when to come up, and he keeps getting closer to him. And he does the exact same thing where he flips the gun up, kicks the magazine out, and just fix, you know, flicks the bullets out with his thumb. And he's like, yeah, I'm Remo and Williams. It, it hasn't been done that well since uh, Ernest goes to camp. You know, Ernest goes to camp when he says, uh, oh, look, a family of badgers. And there's one thing you never do to a family of badgers. It's a great movie, guys. Ernest goes to camp is incredible. Oh, I'm talking, sorry. Remo Williams. Goes to camp. Remo Williams goes to camp. <laughs> Ernest, the adventure <laughs> begins. <laughs> there you go, crossover movie. There's something we haven't done yet. A crossover movie like that. That'd be awesome. Freddie and Jason. Freddie and Jason. Whoopity do. We're talking Remo Williams and Ernest goes to camp. Remo versus Ernest. There you go. I I don't know who would win. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. Because on one side, you got Remo, and on the other side, you got Ernest. And then you've got Chun on one side, and then you've got that guy that's trying to make the eggs erroneous who does the sound effects on, right. on Haver and Ernest, that guy. Right. That guy's crazy. He's got crazy <laughs> eyes. He used to be on Hill Hall. Yeah, we all did. <laughs> all right, man. I, again, you know, we, we kind of shortchanged this movie a little bit. But this movie is awesome, man. I highly recommend checking it out. It's fun. It is uh, 80s Americana uh, of the time, so you can't go wrong with it. It's entertaining. Fred yeah, Ward, you, this is how I know Fred Ward. This is He'll always be Remo Williams to me. Yeah, you got Fred Ward, you got gun dodges, you got Chun as the as the, the Korean assassin. Aretha you got Franklin. the bad guy with the diamond tooth. Right. You got the fight on the, on the uh, you yeah, know, you got Aretha Franklin, you got <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Oh, lots of bombs in the air. You know, you, you got uh, the the Statue of Liberty being rebuilt. You got some some just really really cheap assassin uh, construction guys. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg watching a guy get buried in concrete, doing nothing about it. Right. Yeah, a whole sequence at the end in a military base with uh, with with Captain Janeway, where uh, you know some people get killed in some sketchy accidents. You're right, we are shortchanging it, but it's just you got to watch it. Right. Yep. So go out right now. So I say rating time. Rating time. Oh well, I give it six. Jennifer Grey. Oh, gosh. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Dirty Dancing. Oh, no. Part six. Buy a bag. Put it on her head. <laughs> you need to lay off Jennifer Gray. <laughs> oh, trust me, I would, because yeah, not, not a fan. Not a fan. Even, Part seven. <laughs> even, though she was in, even though she was in Red Dawn, I don't care. Even though she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I don't care. I've got to give She's it. Doing uh, all right. I'm gonna give it uh, seven construction workers that will kill somebody for a thousand dollars with a diamond tooth. The <laughs> diamond tooth. I give it seventeen diamond teeth. And Brian Blessed, what do you think about this movie? Oh well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
he likes them both. He likes both movies. I'm one angry guy. You took our job. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Big D, and this is Big D's Monument Construction. We do whatever. Do you got a job for us? A giant copper monument that needs a facelifted? Scaffolding stacked as far as the eye can see? How about that punk up there meditating? Hey, pal, what do you think this is, the Dalai Lama's house? We do it all, from fixing Lady Liberty to offing some bum who thinks he's Gandhi. Hey, what are you doing over there? I'm walking over here. Well, I'm talking over here. Give us a call day and night. We may not answer at night, though. Give us a call at 155-GET-BENT. That when Charlie's pretty hot number, huh? Well, Randy, uh, he's he's not Chinese. Well, of course he's Chinese. I've seen the poster. I know what he looks like. Well, have you have you seen the movie? No, but I don't have to see the movie to write a song about it. Uh, I recommend that you watch it because uh, he's not Chinese. He's Korean. He's what? Korean. What kind of crazy mumbo-jumbo movie is this anyway? You're just making up stuff. Nobody's heard of Korea. It's, uh, it's a real place. Uh, Randy, it's, it's real. Yeah, I don't believe you. Well, it's, it's, it's real. There's no such thing. It's on the Is that where Santa Claus lives? No, <laughs> it's, it's a real place, Randy. It's I don't real. know who Remo Jenkins is anyways. Okay, that's around. You're just upset because I dated your sister. All right. That was fun. A lot of work, a lot of stuff to go through. Some of these, you know, this movie here in particular, I kind of had to go through both of them twice to just kind of capture everything. There's too much stuff thrown at you at once. I can't say it enough. Ninja 3, uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory, has actually put out Ninja 3 on Blu-ray. I I don't know if that's a wise decision. <laughs> I don't know how much quality you really want with that, but yeah. Right, but uh, 
that just kind of shows you that they feel like this movie is one of those that people talked about back in the day. Um, it's a lot of fun. I guarantee you if you see it, if you like any of that style of movie, you're going to be showing this one to people over and over. Uh, it's just just incredible. And then Remo Williams, as far as I'm concerned, is just a classic of that time. So two fun movies. One's a classic. One's a cult classic. How about that? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that there is a cult to Ninja 3, <laughs> and they're all uh, possessed by ninjas. Right. A bunch um, of monks. It's a monk cult. Monk, monk cult. <laughs> Kick some monk butt. But, and, and Remo Williams is an awesome movie. It's got some great actors that, you know, you've seen in other things. And, and I, I like Fred Ward. You know, it's hard not to like him. Right. Yeah, it, it, they're both great movies in their own right. They're both action-packed. And uh, they're both worth a watch for sure. Absolutely. Um, but you know that that's like you said, it's a, it's a lot of work to to try and distill it down to, you know, what exactly makes it tick because these two movies are kind of um, hard to define. Lots and lots of yeah. fun. You got to check them both out. That's why we're here is to tell you to say, hey, you need to go check these out. So uh, some interesting things coming up. We are about to get into October here in a few weeks. And we are going to do a run of horror movies that uh, we're both fond of. If you have any suggestions, throw them out there on the Facebook page. We'll consider them. Go ahead. I was going to say, we, we discussed a number of the ones that are coming up, so we do have some ideas. But you might have a better idea. Right. We've got some special guests lined up to come and talk to us on some of those. So uh, looking forward to that and getting that part of it. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Everybody knows I'm a big horror nut. So uh, kind of looking forward to getting into some of those. We've touched on a few of them here. But uh, this is going to be a big run of, of just stuff that uh, that we both really like that fit in that category. And uh, what a perfect month to do it. So uh, yeah, also. like I was going to say like Phantasm 3. Heck yeah. I, I like all the fan. I'd like to do all the Phantasm movies. I, I, like, I like all the Phantasm movies, too. I, Phantasm 2, The Olympics. Starring Jaws <laughs> from the uh, James Bond movies. <laughs> yes. And I'll see you out in the parking lot. Hail <laughs> me. That's awesome. So that's, we got that coming up. Also, if you if you were involved on our in our private group on Facebook, we did a poll for a fake movie. We brought up ideas of... What movie do you wish there was a sequel to that never was made, that should have been made? And that turned quickly into a whew, psychotic idea of, okay, name your sequel that you wish was made with a tagline. And then we made a poll where people could vote on which one's the best. And it turned out that uh, Princess Bride Part 2 got the most votes. So next episode, we are going to do a fake review <laughs> with a fake synopsis for a fake movie. <laughs> it just seems to keep going downhill as I keep saying it. It's going to be interesting. Let's just say that. It should be a lot of fun. Suffice it to say, it's going to be the best movie ever made. It pretty much could be besides Ninja 3. So... Basically, Princess Bride 2 is basically Ninja 3 Part 2. Ninja 3 Part 2. The Princess the Bride. Princess Bride. <laughs> there you go. I feel it coming on. So we haven't really decided yet what we're going to do to fill up the other gap for this show. 
but we've kind of got an idea. So uh, you may have to check in on that. It may be a total farce episode. How about oh, that? it may be farcical. Farcical. <laughs> the new Turner farcical. That's what you call it when it's farce. It's farcical. Farcical. So you it sounds that, weird when we keep saying it. That's keep, for damn sure. Is it something you keep in a box in the freezer? Hey, hand me one of those yes. farcicles. Give me one of those farcicles. <laughs> What's it flavored like? That's Cherry far, farcicle. Ooh. <laughs> so that's it, folks. Episode 19, the farcical episode. The farcical episode. <laughs> Also, uh, guys, if if you're not in the in the private group, just say you want to be in there. We'll throw you in there. Don't forget to check us out on iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. Because if you're going to help this show in any way, that's the best way to do it. Don't forget we're cranking these things out on YouTube as well. Having a lot of fun with that. Some some good feedback off of that. People are really enjoying seeing the episodes. So that's a lot of fun. We got. Twitter, Instagram, all those other things. We're out there, folks. Just find us. Keep listening. Tell your friends about it. We're having a good tell time. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. If you don't tell your friends, I mean, I think that's probably the best way for us to grow and to be able to quit our day jobs. So yeah. just yeah, tell your friends. Tell you. that, Better that being tell said, your mom. Anyone who's listening at work, of course I'm not going to quit my day job. <laughs> there you go. All right, folks, till next time, take care of yourselves. We'll see you around the corner. Take it easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>